Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is the gospel reading which you've heard. You may be seated. The image of Jesus as the Good Shepherd is one of the most beloved images in the church's iconography. You've all seen pictures of Jesus carrying a lamb on his shoulder surrounded by little lambs or our bulletin cover this morning picturing Jesus lovingly reaching out for the sheep that is perilously perched on a cliff face. But this imagery primarily doesn't actually come to us from John 10, which was our gospel reading for today. But I think most of it is centered actually in Luke 15, where Jesus seeks for the one lost sheep out of the 99, or out of the 100. The 99 were left safe, but he goes and finds the one. But that image of Jesus as the good shepherd seeking for his sheep is definitely on the hearts and minds of the church on this Sunday of Easter in particular. Taking our gospel reading, we will talk about what the Good Shepherd does for his sheep, how the Good Shepherd knows his sheep, and then how we, the sheep, may know our Good Shepherd. So first, what does the Good Shepherd actually do? Jesus says, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Here he makes a contrast that I think we need to explore is with two other characters. There's a hired hand, and there's also a wolf in this story. The hired hand is anyone who is to, who is to stand in and claim to point to the good shepherd, but will run at the very first sign of trouble. The church has unfortunately seen her fair share of hired hands. First, during the intense persecution under the Roman Empire, there was a controversy about the priests of the church that ran and paid homage and worshipped the god Caesar. And it's no different in the various ages of the church down to our own day. The days in which we are living may, time, may prove yet another time where hirelings for the church are made known, are exposed to us. As the heat is turned up on various social issues that are constantly being shoved in our faces from all sectors, from Bud Light to women's sports, pastors in the church will be put to the test. It has been sad to see some Christian churches abandon the historic teachings on various things over these last few years. But, as I like to quote St. Peter, judgment for these things begins here. It begins at the household of God. At our last district convention last summer, Frank was with me, there was a small group of delegates there that was including at least one pastor that attempted to push an acceptance of some of the points of the sexual revolution from the floor of the convention. Fortunately, this was rather soundly and, and, and quickly defeated 
But those forces are at work even in our own Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, even in our own district. Faithless shepherds will lead some astray, as Jesus here warns us. They care too much about saving their own skin to, and, and to be liked by the world to really care for the people of God. The other character that is contrasted here with the good shepherd, as I mentioned, is the wolf who comes to snatch, to kill, and to scatter the sheep. From other places in Scripture, I think we can easily say that this wolf is Satan himself. Just two chapters before this, in John chapter 8, Jesus says this of Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning. St. Peter tells us that he is seeking to devour us. There he calls him a lion, but the idea of him devouring the sheep is there. Um, Satan, working through the faithless shepherds, seek to separate you from the good shepherd, Jesus. For Jesus says that his disciples abide in his word. That is, they hear it, they live in it, they keep it. Satan's goal, as the wolf, as it was from the beginning, is to remove the truth of God's word in order to trap us and to lead us to death. This is why the world's ideologies are so powerfully packaged to draw our hearts and our minds away from the word of God. Satan is trying to murder your souls, and he is trying to remove God's word from you because it is God's word that gives you the gift of eternal life. Which then brings us, of course, to our main point in this section, to what the good shepherd actually does. Again, Jesus says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He even repeats this again later in our reading. Dear saints, Jesus says, this is the good shepherd's chief task, to lay down his life for the sheep. It is the cross that stands at the heart of Christianity. This is why St. Paul sums up all of the preaching that he did and the preaching of the church by saying, we preach Christ crucified. Now, I often hear when this is emphasized, there's an objection that's often repeated saying, well, we preach Christ crucified and risen. That we, we want to add that last clause to what St. Paul says. And I don't think this is always the intent. But by adding that and risen, it seems that sometimes we want to skip over the event of the cross. But Jesus says here that he came to lay down his life for the sheep. That is why he came. The resurrection is a confirmation of that. It is a, an acceptance by the Father of the sacrifice that he made for us at the cross. Even in the gospel accounts of the resurrection, Matthew, for instance, the angels, when they report to the people who go to the tomb, they call Jesus the one who has been crucified. Even after the resurrection, the angels refer to him as crucified. 
The angels continue to identify Jesus with the cross. And in Galatians, I mentioned this this morning in Bible class, Paul tells the Galatian Christians there that it was through the preaching of the church that Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified before their very eyes. Revelation, the last book of the Bible, depicts Jesus as the one who was slain. So the cross looms large. It is the most important event in the ministry of Jesus, for it is by his death that he has saved us from ours. Getting to the Latin name of the day, this is where we see the steadfast love of God, the misericordias domini, which is the focus of our introit for the day, and again, where that Latin name comes from. St. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now shepherds in the world today, as they were in Jesus' day, usually make their living off of sheep. But the good shepherd actually gives his life that the sheep might live. This is what the good shepherd does. Second, now we'll talk about how the good shepherd actually knows us. So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father. Jesus knows us, he says. He knows us because he is the very God who created us. He is the one who has written the owner's manual, so to speak. He's made us in his image. Just as a craftsman knows everything about the table that he has built, so Jesus also knows his creatures, his creation. But as I've often said, it goes much deeper than that. After all, God knows the grass and the birds and everything else in creation just as well. But it, in the incarnation, Jesus actually takes on our flesh and blood. He became like us so that he would know what it's like to be hungry and thirsty and experience sorrow and experience loss. Jesus knows every hair on your head because he came and had hair on his head that his father also had to look after. But what is more, dear saints, is that he has also called you by name. He has made you his own. He put his name on you when you were baptized, and he marked you as one who was redeemed by Christ the crucified. By your baptism, you are made a partaker in the death and resurrection of Jesus. St. Paul says, again in Romans chapter 6, Do you not know that all of us who were baptized were baptized into his death? Even the prophet Isaiah wrote about this, saying, Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. With the nails of the cross, you were engraved on the hands of the crucified Jesus. He knows your sorrows because he bore them in his own body at the cross. 
but he also knows the very end of those sorrows. Yes, Jesus knows you just as closely as he knows the Father and just as closely as the Father knows him. That brings us to our third and final point. We can hear now from this text how we can actually know the voice of our Jesus. Again, Jesus says, I know my own, and my own know me, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. People loved by God. Jesus tells us here that we can absolutely recognize his voice. What a great comfort. In a world that is so full of religious noise and information, we know that we have a God who speaks clearly to us. Where can we hear that voice? Well, in modern Christianity, there's the idea that God whispers to us, and we simply need to be able to tune our ears in so that we can figure out where and how to hear his voice and what he's saying to us, like we're tuning the dials on the radio. Sometimes well, people will express it in things like this. Well, God told me this, or God laid this on my heart. You've probably heard those kinds of sayings before. But the fact of the matter is, is that God has not promised to speak to us in that way. The writer of Hebrews says, and we repeat this when we have morning prayer, in many and various ways God spoke to his people of old by the prophets, but now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. Jesus is the final authoritative way that God speaks to us. And the place that we can most clearly hear his voice is found only in his holy word, in the Bible itself. Jesus says, wherever his word is proclaimed, he who hears you hears me. He also says in John 5, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life and it is they that bear witness to me. Do you want to hear from God? Hear him, then, as he speaks to you in his holy word. That, dear saints, is the place where God has promised to speak directly to you. He does not whisper to you in signs good or bad or small voices in your ears, but he speaks loudly and clearly and understandably in his word. And so this means that in order to actually tune our ears in to what Jesus is saying and knowing the voice of our good shepherd, we must listen more and more to his word. We must, as the old prayer says, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the scriptures. How much time do we devote to our phones or other screens that could be spent in God's word? And I'm not saying you can never watch any television or anything like that. But what prevents us just from reading just a chapter of the Bible a day? What obstacle is in the way from 
making a stopping going to Bible study or, or, or never having gone before. If we want to hear Jesus, if we want to hear his voice, we have to listen to where he speaks to us. And that is in his word and in his word alone. This is the reason that the church has grown through something as pitiful looking as preaching. Consider how many millions and millions of people have been saved over these 20 centuries of Christianity through the preaching of God's word. St. Paul says, how then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. It is by this word that we recognize and we follow the voice of our good shepherd. Everything that agrees with that word comes from his mouth and it alone unifies the church into one body. So many efforts have been made over the centuries of Christianity to unite the various feuding factions of Christianity. But the thing that almost all of those share in common is not an agreement in Scripture, but actually a downplaying of what is said about things like baptism or the centrality of justification or the Word of God. Unity that is forged in downplaying or denying the Word of God is not true unity because it's not based in the truth. So we can actually know our brothers and sisters in Christ too by their confession of the faith as we are all united by the clear voice of our Savior Jesus. The last thing to consider when it comes to recognizing and listening to the voice of our Savior is that the good, she the good shepherd calls his sheep to follow him, and they will follow him. Yes, we will follow him in our confession of faith, but unless he returns soon, we will also follow him through our death and the grave as well. In John 5, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Remember last week we talked about the word of absolution, that word of forgiveness that Jesus speaks to us, and how it breathes new life into us, breathes the Holy Spirit into our sin-killed lives? Well, here, Jesus is also speaking of what will happen to those who do fall asleep in him in this life. So just like with Lazarus in John 11, he will call you by your name and he will raise you from the dead and your body will be reunited again with your soul and you will follow him from death, from the grave, into the resurrection, into the new heavens and the new earth. There, in that place, like a shepherd, he will guard and keep us into all eternity. For when he calls, 
we will follow wherever he is. And there we will also be united again with those who have already fallen asleep, who have been called by our good shepherd into everlasting life. Jesus says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, and those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. You, who have been washed and cleansed from all of your sins and joined to his death and resurrection in holy baptism, will go with Jesus. You will follow the voice of your Savior into eternal life when Jesus calls you. Dear saints, our good shepherd has laid down his life for you. That is what he has come to do. And he does this so that you would know him and that you would hear his voice and that you would follow it. So let's listen for his voice. Listen for the voice of the good shepherd who has laid down his life for you that you would follow him to the resurrection of eternal life. Alleluia! Christ is risen! He is risen indeed. Alleluia! And the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord.